1: Hi, everyone. This is Chris Grosso with the Indie Spirituals Podcast on the MindPod Network. My guest today is Liam Wilson, who I'm exceptionally excited to have on. <laughs> Liam is a world-renowned musician, a not-so-famous writer, rookie father, and avid psychonaut, most well-known for his long-term tenure playing bass with the Dillinger Escape Plan. His other interests include traveling, yoga, meditation, and most topics that fall under the umbrella of mindfulness. Liam lives in Philadelphia. Liam, thank you very much for joining yeah, thank me. Thank you. So, you're obviously most well known for your involvement in the incredible band, the Dillinger Escape Plan, someone I've been a fan of since the 90s and had the fortune of seeing numerous times. Always an incredible show. And we'll talk more about that later. What I wanted to start out with was something I'm sure you're known for, but definitely not as well known for, which is your interest in yoga and meditation. Sure. So I thought that was great. I actually, I didn't know that for many, many years until recently that you had that interest. So I would love to start out if you could talk a little bit about what really sparked that for you in your life. You know, a book, teacher, whatever.
2: Yeah, I I mean, there's, I, growing up, I felt like there was always, um, I mean, I grew up Roman Catholic. So uh, there was always kind of a religious over undertone to certain things. I had my, you know, mixed feelings about it. Yeah, but always kind of enjoyed the the uh, the the self awareness part of any religion, you know. Right. Um, so I think it was a combination of like various things. I think it was uh, you know my mom handing me like a uh, surf the Himalayas book. I don't know if anybody remembers that. Was, <laughs> I don't. I don't even know where it came from. But it was a, it was a book about it com- uh, combined snowboarding and meditation.
1: Cool.
2: Um, so things like that uh, interest in like seances and kind of being, you know, raised on, um, you know, kind of early heavy metal. And there was always that kind of like darker satanic vibe that, you know, being raised Roman Catholic, you're like, okay, let's, you know, let's research that. Let's read some Alistair Crowley. Let's read the satanic Bible. Let's, you know, just to be, you know, a rebel or something. Um, and then through those things, you know, you get into hardcore, uh, you know, or I got into hardcore and then it was like Krishna, uh, different, you know, pamphlets at tables. I, I mean, and I'm, I'm skipping through different things. Right, right. Um, and then I also think that a, a combination of, you know, which may, we may or may not dive into, um, you know, I, I think that certain people living in the East, they have a meditation tradition. They have all this other stuff. For me, it was like psychedelics and mm-hmm. pot and music and that was kind of my meditation, or that was like, you know, I was never, I've, oh, I have guess I've always kind of been self-introspective, and those things make you turbo self-introspective. Oh, yeah. So, um, and I think that much the same way nobody goes like birding without like the Sibley's guide to birding, <laughs> like, right. I didn't necessarily want to get into those realms without like some understanding of what I was dealing with, so... Yeah. Then it turned into, you know, Food of the Gods by Terence McKenna and all yeah. these other. So it, it just explodes from there. So, um, and I think that through psychedelics, I've kind of, I'd end up meditating, you know, and not really realizing that that's what I was doing or something. Cause right. you just kind of zone out for a couple hours and you're right. like, wow, I feel like you come out of it. I feel great. And like, right. you know, most of the time, other times you're like, I've I've really endured something deep, but, yeah. um, so anyway, so all of that, I think, is kind of the the, the groundwork. And then, uh, you know, my discipline for playing bass uh, later, once playing in a band, touring, all that stuff starts taking a toll on me. I start being like, man, I really uh, I want to be a flexible person, not necessarily physically, but mentally to be able to juggle all these different kind of roles and kind of be like, OK, I go on the road and I'm Superman. I come home and I work in an office and I'm Clark Kent. You know, I'm like kind of a nobody, you know, two thirds of the year, you know, and then I go play shows and it's like, I'm supposed to be this, you know, and it's just all these different things pulling me into all these different directions. So I realized if I wanted to be mentally flexible, emotionally flexible, you know, and and it really endure the touring lifestyle, which, you know, I think that a lot of younger musicians don't understand that it's not about being the best at playing. Yeah. You know, it's kind of about being able to put up with the road, be able to put up with other people, yeah. be able to put up with egos, be able to, you know, subjugate your own to be able to, you know, it's, I, I always say it's not the hour I'm on stage that I get paid for. It's the 23 it took me to get there.
1: Wow. Well said. So,
2: so all of that kind of led me into yoga and kind of a perfect storm of other things. I made some new friends in Philadelphia, one of which was a yoga instructor at a Bikram studio. You know, another friend of mine was dating a yoga instructor who was doing these, like, free Wednesday classes for, like, older women. And I would just drop in and just try it out. Um, And then, you know, through that, I, I, you know, Bikram for me especially was just, like, such a huge breakthrough because it was um, the closest thing I could find to being on the road or being on stage because it was, like, about an hour, you know, a little bit more hot. You know, kind of like, you know, on the, on stage, you're sweating your ass off. Oh, yeah. You're trying to do something physical while maintaining your, like, mental, you know, focus. And at the same time, kind of trying to let go. Yeah, You know, so it, to me, the Bikram world was very, you know, similar. And it was kind of the best warm-up that I could get for the road. So I got very, I, I don't want to say ad- addicted, but obsessed with that being my... um my off-road uh, maintenance. Yeah, you know I mean, and then I'd start going on the road. So anyway, that's kind of how I found yoga. It was mostly a uh, a, a thing, kind of like, well, I'm not. I don't go to yoga because I'm flexible. I go because I'm not. Right. You know, I think some people play sports because they're good at them. I go to yoga because I'm like lanky, and you know, my hamstrings are too short, and my hips don't really work right, and. You know all this other stuff, so it was, it was all of that. So then the yoga thing, um, you know, once I just kind of drove that into the ground, you know, and I, I just came from a class, you know, I try to practice as often as possible. Yeah. Uh, then that kind of led to the meditation stuff because certain yoga classes you would have a meditation after class. Yeah. Um, and I started really connecting the like, oh, this whole, you know, you do these postures so that you can sit in meditation, and really kind of getting deeper into, um, you know, kind of further away from the Western attitude of like, oh, I'm going to have a great six-pack at the end of this. (laughs) It's like, no, I really want to, you know, I'm going for the six-pack of the mind. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, So I think that all that stuff just kind of led to different things. Um, Now, and the meditation thing kind of came up because, uh, you know, again, another thing I'd been interested in for years, kind of meditated off and on, but I think most people think they're doing it wrong, mm. you know, cause it's so subtle. There's really nothing to it where you're like, right. this can't possibly be, you know, like how am I ever going to get results from doing nothing? You know? Right. Oh, yeah. So I think that that kind of always kept me, um, like, Oh, I've got to go to like a 10 day Vipassana thing. Like I got to dive in at the deep end or else it's never going to have an effect right. on me. I know myself, yada, yada, all the narrative I tell myself. Yeah. Um, and then I, uh, I, we were on warp tour And my plan was to go to a ten day vipassana thing at the end of it because it was like, now if you don't aren't aren't familiar anybody not familiar, vipassana is like a ten day totally silent meditation. Um, And I was out on the road. I'm in you know hot weather, 200 bands, as many buses in a parking lot all day, idling buses, like just white noise and just bands and people and just. It was just, it's hellish, you know what I mean? It's like sound pollution. It just takes a toll on you. Um, So, my plan was, yeah, the only thing I want right now is 10 days of total silence at the end of this. And then I'm going to Burning Man right after that. That was the plan. (laughs) So, but I couldn't fit it all in. I couldn't get, uh, you know, from the last day of Warp Tour to this Vipassana thing and then to Burning Man. Right. Because I had a ticket for that. So. I was talking to Matt Skiba from Alkaline Trio, yeah, and or Blink One Eighty Two right. these days, yeah. Um, and we were just, you know, shooting the shit about all this stuff. He's he's definitely uh, stepping, you know, smelling what we're stepping in, I guess. Right. And uh, so he started talking about his um, instructor, teacher, guru. You know, I, I'm not sure what she would ever call herself, but yeah. uh, it's this woman, Nancy Cook de Herrera. Okay, And she was uh, one of the women, pretty much the woman, who brought the Maharishi over for the first time.
1: Okay, yep.
2: um, She was at the ashram with the Beatles and the Maharishi. She was like, she's just this, you know, uh, just amazing character in the lineage of Transcendental Meditation. Yeah. So she, but at the same time, she's not necessarily part of the TM organization. Right. Uh, she taught David Lynch, she taught Howard Stern, she taught Donovan, she taught, you know, I mean, she is like Madonna, I believe, like (laughs) she's the, like TM instructor to the stars, the Hollywood, you know, but not, and, and very Hollywood, but at the same time, not at all.
1: Cool. Um,
2: and you know, I should also mention she passed away to 2012, I believe. So, you know, rest her soul. Right. Um, anyway. So, I got her number, and her deal was i don't believe in spending twelve hundred bucks for the t m technique. I think it's silly, and the yeah. Maharishi never would have wanted it that way yeah. and so she would just take like a three hundred dollar donation wow give, give it to charity, and then you would just kind of go visit her th- uh three times over five days, yep and bring a bring some fruit and some flowers for a puja yeah
1: You're so
2: right. went and did that had you know and Left with that technique and kind of, you know, uh, not unlike your book and kind of the everything mind. I think my meditation now is kind of evolved into a mix of TM, a mix of, you know, some other little things. I do do mantra stuff. Sometimes
1: I don't. Right.
2: Um, you know, I think any time I kind of get up in my head about it, I just kind of throw away that. Kind of the, yeah. you know, if you see the Buddha in your path, slay the Buddha. Right. You know, right. Any, any distraction from just doing it is... Uh, that just that you know nothing more than a distraction. So, um, I try to keep up with it, you know, and it, like other things, it's it's a balancing act. Yeah, uh, and you know I'll get kind of um, <laughs> get into more scholastic ideas here. So, balance. The word balance comes from the Latin word bilar, okay. which means to dance. And I always kind of thought that was an interesting thing. It's kind of like a tree, you know. It's like when the wind blows, it sways. But it always kind of comes back. It's always got its root. Yes. So I feel that way a lot with meditation. Sometimes when I'm on the road, I only meditate once a day, like before we play. Because that's the only time I really get. Yeah. And sometimes I don't get to practice yoga for like, you know, uh, really practice. You know, stretch before a show, sure. But like, really like dive into a practice. It might be four weeks before I really get that kind of attention but you know I always just try to come back to it
1: yeah
2: I feel like meditation is the same way as as you uh, as you introduced me I'm rookie dad so yeah a lot of things are just kind of on pause and and to me rightfully so it's like uh, not that I don't think that meditation twice a day rigorously would probably be make me you know a much more patient dad <laughs> it's like I'm not really an impatient dad to begin with and You know, I'm trying to just make it work. So if I get to meditate once a day right now, that's cool. Yeah. So I'm not trying to be too rigid and like, it's got to be twice a day for 20 minutes. You got to sit like this and you can't have your dog in the room. And, you know, I I do believe that there is an ideal way of doing things. Right. um, But I don't necessarily think it's the only way. And there again, I think that that's kind of what prevents people from doing it. Right. This, this idealist. This, this idea of the conditions have to be this way. Yes. Or else, I'm not going to get anything out of it. It's like, no, that's you know. It's right. Not, I it, always tell
1: people it's a much more fluid process than yeah. rigid, and that makes it so much easier to stick with. You know. Yeah.
2: It's it, you're not. You never step in the same river. You know. Twice. Ever. It's, right. Yeah. It's every day's different. You might be able to do it for 21 minutes today, and it's. You know, the idea is just kind of that you want to do it. You know, yeah. and that you do think that there's a benefit to it, or. Um, you know, and what that is, like, I, I, I'm not, I'm not even, t- I know there is one, I feel it in sure. my, in my bones, but, uh, you know, and much deeper than that too, but I can't necessarily explain it. It's, yeah. you know, or I could just riff on it for four hours <laughs> right. and maybe never really. Um, so yeah, I I think that sort of sums up.
1: It does. And, and I, I love everything you said and I love, you know, I've been doing interviews for quite a while now and this, this is a bit of a newer podcast, but I love that I can, do this in a network with some of the great teachers like Ram Das and Jack Hornfield sure. I mean, yeah. you know, the the teachers. And then come in and bring people like you and uh and I've already had also uh Miguel Chen who's a bass player for this punk band um uh Teenage Bottle Rocket and they were on okay. Fat Records now they're okay. on Rise same deal. He's he's a newly uh, he's a yoga teacher. He just finished his okay. training and he just did a great documentary about punk and yoga. And it was, okay. it was yeah, so yeah. cool to see that. And then I had. Cool. Yeah. And, and he like he'll teach at shows like in, before or after for free. Just have right. people come out. Yeah. I mean,
2: uh, I, I, I uh, was, you know, I'm pretty sure this is true, but I'm pretty sure um, uh, Joe Lally from Fugazi yeah. is a yoga instructor, I believe. Oh, living cool. in I think he lives in Rome and he's teaching yoga or at one time was. Yeah. Um, you know, I I believe uh Ray from Shelter. He
1: is, yeah. Um, I know
2: it. one of my friends just went to India with him and I he teaches in Philly a lot and it's kind of one of those bucket list things. Yeah. Like ah, I I got to get, but I don't want to like fanboy out too hard. I know. I, but there again like I do think that like Shelter and, you know, another Philly band Prema.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, Love you know, that. some of this yeah. stuff
2: like I was always really into that and kind of I always liked that kind of angle. Yeah, you know? Um and yeah. Another band like Cynic always had kind of Krishna-conscious lyrics. Right. And I, I just – I don't know what it was. I always kind of just responded to that stuff. Same so, here. Even before know. I was into the spirituality,
1: yeah. I remember seeing Prima. I had Kelly from 108 on the show recently. Okay. and right on. Um, It was great to catch up with her. And she now – Besides co-running Equal Vision with her husband, Steve, they started a label called Montrology. And it's all kirtan music. Oh, wow. Yeah. And the cool thing is all the money they take, they donate. So it's a not-for-profit. It's just helping people. So it's great to see, like you said, like all these great punk rock and hardcore people coming (laughs) up and doing really cool things and making spirituality more accessible to a wider audience. And out near you, I don't know if you've heard of this, but I think it's Pittsburgh – there's a yoga studio called black yoga and they do yoga set to drone. Like they'll do sun. Oh, and you know what? Yeah.
2: I've, I've heard of things like that. I don't know. Um, like a a friend of mine, the same guy I was saying, my friend, Dan Cordua, he, uh, he just opened a place in Philly. If anybody from Philly is listening, I think it's called Palo, Palo Alto boutique. I, I, I'm going to, I'm (laughs) going to butcher it anyway. (laughs) Uh, he's the one that went to India with, with Ray. Yeah. And he does a Friday night like metal, yeah, yoga, and uh, yeah, it's it's great, you know, it's
1: yeah, whatever gets you in the door, you know. sure, you know, and
2: I mean, and sometimes I don't like music in yoga, but there again, sure. it's like, well, that's that's my that's my yoga today, right? This is what I'm doing, right?
1: That's so, awesome. Yeah. So, so taking all of this into consideration, like I loved when you were saying earlier, psychedelics were very spiritual and meditative sure. for yeah, you, yeah. and it made me think I did. Man, no shortage of psychedelics. Sure, and yeah. but yeah. I me, did all of them. Yeah. Right? At the time, though, uh, truth be told, I was not doing them in a spiritual or mindful context. Right. I was partying. But in retrospect, what I did see is some of my early meditative practices that I didn't recognize at the time was when – I would be driving to school, and this is years, years, years ago, yeah, yeah. but I'd be driving like an hour to school and listening to neurosis or ISIS yeah. and getting lost in that repetitive sure. drone. Yeah, just
2: hypnotic. I mean, even with sugar yeah. to some degree, exactly. the meat really has that like just
1: yes. pounding Sick, it out. Like, yes, Pound know? over yeah, and yeah. Over. right. So like I say, taking all this into consideration, what would you say, and there, obviously there's no right or wrong answer right. to this, but in your experience so far to date – what what is spirituality? I know it's a very open, open, broad question, but
2: yeah. Um,
1: for you, let's say.
2: Ah, man, that's a. I'm trying to think of like a poetic way of saying this. Sure. Um,
1: if it helps when I answer, I just simply say "waking up," so it doesn't get any yeah, less poetic yeah. I than mean, that. So
2: no, that's 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 a good one, and I have a tendency to kind of complicate it. Um, <laughs> but I, I think it uh, it it just kind of has to do with. Uh, Maybe something about like being comfortable with your own personal emptiness. Yeah. Or like yeah. or or and I, I do think that it's kind of it it's tied into uh you know, something about life and death. Sure. You know, or and, and just kind of your relationship with life and death and mm-hmm. the interconnectedness of the two. Yeah. Um yeah something in there but yeah waking up is i mean waking up is something else to me i think that there's a lot of people who are spiritual and um you know and who kind of do it right and are and moral and you know kind of the whole thing where it's like you don't really need the ten commandments right to be a good person it's nice to see them written down and be like oh yeah that okay that's that's a pretty concise way of doing it but like i think in your heart of hearts you know right some right. of those things, you are like, hey, don't kill your brother, you know, yeah. like, please, you know, don't, you know, envy is not really a good thing yeah. and, you know, all this stuff. So uh, I think that the spirituality thing can can kind of also be uh, a dead end for certain people sure. uh, or, or just for certain things, I think. And, and I'm trying to separate it from religion because I know I'm kind of almost more talking about that, but yeah. I think there is a; it's inextricably connected. Right. Uh, yeah. But I think that there's a difference between spirituality and waking up. For me personally, I think yeah. that you can be practicing and kind of never really have that. You know, I mean, because there's so many people who would claim spirituality who are just total assholes. <laughs> yes, you know, totally. are just like are just like pure evil. Right. So. Right. Um, I don't know. I. I it's 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 touchy but i i agree i yeah. just, i might take it divided a little bit more yeah um yeah because i i mean for me it was like there's a certain kind of i don't know I, and and again speaking for myself it was mostly like a psychedelic realization where i felt like that waking upness yeah of like oh society's not really this or yeah. You know, it's almost everything I've been taught is not you know that progression through unlearning. Just right. to you know, drop the drop the snapcase yeah enough.
1: Very but, nice, well played. Uh, yeah, yeah.
2: Um, I was surprised I didn't see that one in your book. Actually, I was like, oh, I what?
1: think. Well, my first book I did because oh, look looking looking glass self was the first twelve yeah. inch I ever bought. So okay, I do right have on. I do have love for snapcase. Okay.
2: Um, but yeah, I kind of think there's a you know a waking up thing that I think is more of a. I hate this word, but enlightened or, it, it I, I'm I'm at a standstill because I know it's like uh, it's a rabbit hole.
1: It, it well, and that's the thing. I know it, it's almost a trick question in a way sure. because how do you define the indefinable? You know, it's Absolute, one of those yeah. things like when people ask, you know, what is uh, non-duality? Uh, I'll try, tell
2: you, your first step is find a human.
1: Yeah, there you, <laughs> very good, very good, but. I, I like what you're saying. The two things that really stuck out to me was one about the life and death thing. It made me think yeah. of a Krishnamurti. Uh, there's yeah. a, a YouTube thing he's talking about where he talks about we suffer because we don't see or experience life and death as the same movement. We separate right. the two, yeah. and causes just causes. I, yeah, I mean, I
2: think pain. that it was a matter of feeling that because I yeah. think you can be spiritual, and read the Bible and believe it. Sure. Have faith in that being the case. And I think that might be... Um, I, I don't know i don't want to put a label on that but i understand yeah it's it's the feeling it yeah you know for yourself to have like that out-of-body experience to like die in some kind of way and be like oh you know what i am not afraid of that anymore yeah. i am like and it's only gonna make me drive that much harder it's not because like i don't care about living anymore
1: right
2: you know but yeah i think that there is a, a lack of fear and a deep a deeper understanding of it Yes. Than, than just belief. Yeah. In kind of uh, in 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 whatever. Um. You said something, and then I, I was going to say something else, and now I don't remember my exact. Well, uh,
1: then I will follow up. Okay. With my yeah. the other thing I liked um, was the Ten Commandments. Like you said, it's cool that they're there, but you know. What what came to mind for me is there was a, a meme I saw, not that I'm a meme junkie uh, yeah. or fan, but on Facebook, and sometimes there are really clever ones. Absolutely. I'm, I saw one of Moses holding the two tablets, and on one side it said, be cool, the other side, and don't be an asshole. There you yeah. go, man. Yeah, there's man. your There's your commandment. Really? I mean, that's classic. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah. So we've talked a bit about psychedelics, and I would love to go a little deeper into sure. that because... So, like I already said, when I was taking them, it wasn't in a spiritual con- – I mean, I right. did take them once in a spiritual context. And the odd thing was it was the one and only time out of over 100 times I had a bad trip. But That's it, interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. Um, okay. But prior to that, I was taking them – You know, watch like Oliver Stone movies or Tarantino films. Sure, yeah, yeah. Go out into nature and look at a tree yeah. for hours. So yeah. I see the benefit. Like it yeah. very much helped expand my consciousness. But I never took them – intentionally for spirituality but today as you've read in my book i'm in recovery i don't do them anymore but i am still an advocate for them i know i mean plenty of people do them awesome i can't you can god bless go for it so Um, can you talk a bit about your experience
2: yeah um you know in a similar way i i think that uh most people abuse most things uh uh and in the beginning I didn't really know that they were a spiritual tool, right? You know, that by no means was my take on it either. I I mean, loosely, I think I was taking it more from the artistic point of view, where sure. I was a musician, I was a, you know, I, I went to art school for craft and was really an illustration, I still try to draw. And so for me, it was like, I'm gonna expand my, you know, creative well, or what I don't, I don't even know what my reason yeah. <laughs> You know, and I was like 14 or something. You know, I was like, I, I didn't have a reason for anything, you know. So I think trying it, you know, for the first time was like, oh, okay. Yeah. And then I think, you know, I would do them again. You know, my friends were kind of more party, you know, I'd kind of in the, the the more the party scene.
1: Yeah.
2: Where it wasn't necessarily like clubbing or raves. It was more like we'd go drink in the woods. Right. And then that kind of turned into, no, we're going to go take shrooms in the woods or yeah. we're going to go take ass in the woods. So, you know, and I think there again, connecting to nature, um, at a young age, you know, what got me into playing bass was, uh, hiking parts of the Appalachian trail. Cool. Uh, I've told that story a million times that if we need to go there, we can, but
1: maybe you can tell me afterwards. Cause I yeah, actually, yeah. I'll look it up. I haven't heard that. Okay. But, so you're so kind
2: of- anyway, that, that the nature connection was always there. I was always really into the wisdom of nature, yeah. you know, kind of okay. the, the library of sorts
1: absolutely um
2: so i think it was kind of a matter of uh getting comfortable doing psychedelics in nature and by myself and i'm not sure if that was like my friends just never showed up one day or i had a deliberate thing i think one time i can remember like i'll just take like the the dust at the bottom of this shroom (laughs) bag and next thing you know i'm like launched off uh by myself kind of uh anyway um so I think all that stuff, though, it just kind of, it connected me to something bigger, you know, and yeah. something other. i realized that there was some kind of, you know, or and realized being a personal take on it. But I had an innate sensibility that there was a higher
1: force. Right, sure. Um
2: Or, you know, kind of like maybe like a magnetic field. There was yeah. some other level of supreme consciousness yes. or... Grand architect, whatever, yeah, organizing yeah. intelligence. I love yeah. that. One. Um, you know, any of that stuff for me, I kind of felt it was like a palatable thing. Yeah. Um, and once I kind of realized that, I kind of had this security of like, oh, like I'm important. I'm also insignificant, but you know, there is yeah. a purpose to me, and uh, you know, I can't just be like a a wasteoid. I need to, you know, do this stuff. So then the psychedelics kind of became like a personal thing where I started doing it by myself all the time yeah. and as a lot of people would say it's kind of like therapy you know if you you know done right i'm not saying oh that. yeah i
1: know you're very right
2: not everybody as you said not everybody can handle it and not everybody has the kind of the toolbox right you know it was i i think through doing those things i'd kind of realized um yeah or i, I should rewind it got to a point where it started to go deeper into that psychological realm and i was like Am I going to like dredge up something that I was not, that I've been repressing? Am Mm -hmm. I like, was I like abused as a kid or, you know, what am I going to find when I get in there? Right. Once I realized that like, okay, I really don't, you know, like I'm cool. Yeah. Once I got to that base level, then it was like, okay, then I could kind of take off and really like, you know, open up. But I, I think the other thing that I think is interesting with psychedelics is, I kind of would get like false positives about stuff too where uh, I'd kind of ask questions feel secure in the answer and trust it because it felt so real like any other religious experience right and because I just kind of always kind of leaned on drugs as being like the alternative like kind of like my diet or something like well I don't want to eat that crap I'm going to eat this organic thing over here I always kind yeah. of felt like there was something pure about psychedelics which I also don't think is true. Like mm. I think there are there are some kind of um, danger zones. There's some like trickery.
1: Yeah, you know, well, sure. it,
2: it's, it's got a sense of humor and it's got <laughs> it's it's got a personality. You yeah. know, and um, once I kind of realized that whatever that consciousness was wasn't just like purely benevolent, like it is, but it's not afraid to like take the piss out of you. Oh yeah, you know, and mm. kick your ass around a little bit. Mm. And once I realized that, then it was like, oh, this other. This whole other kind of disappointing yet liberating feeling um, of kind of realizing that that's not all there is either. I think that, you know, again, back to this everything mind thing. Then I started going back to, um, you know, different faiths, different, you know, other things, meditation, other drugs. Yeah, right. (laughs) You know, like, you know, or kind of making it more like, um, you know, I would take acid and shrooms and kind of have it be as ceremonial as I could make it. Right but it's nothing compared to going to like a legit ayahuasca ceremony sure. which i've had the privilege of going to and those again amazing life-changing experiences and i yeah. think having the guided um you know tutelage of somebody who's really you know educated and yeah. uh you know initiated i i, I mean so many yeah. different things i think that was a, uh, a another realization of like oh okay i can't do this alone yeah. like i need i need a mentor um and i you know i sort of need a a guide in that realm because i've kind of gone as far as i can go alone yeah. without it getting kind of scary kind of you know carlos castaneda books or something like right i need the don juan uh because yes. it's starting to get weird out here i'm starting to get really out and encountering things and that i'm not really uh equipped for right so i mean i'm kind of in a a slower role with that, you know, world. And again, being a dad, it's like there's no time to
1: Yeah, true.
2: Tune in and drop out for twelve hours. It's right. like it doesn't exist. So right. that I'm tripping on that right now. There That's, you go. That is my you know oh. the most psychedelic experience I've had yet. So
1: <laughs> well, thank you for sharing all of that. Yeah. And and one thing I want to say for listeners is that I do believe there is even a healing aspect that can um lend itself to those in recovery there right. have been tremendous studies around ayahuasca dmt you didn't know, that, um
2: didn't uh bill wilson he was a huge advocate for
1: i actually um, didn't know that
2: yeah he is um back in the day he did a lot of research and took a lot of acid yeah believing that that could help alcoholics
1: yeah well and so, and i i do believe like you said done yeah, under the right context there absolutely. Are, there's a great doctor i i not Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say a guy named Gabor Mate, who talks at length about ayahuasca and how powerful it can be. And I I can tell you that I have a group of close friends who do it on a regular basis under the guide of a shaman. And I watched one individual who I know had a a heavy heroin problem over the course of a year, actually immediately after the first one. But, oh, my God, a brand new person the life that came back into him, it was, you could feel it. It was like, you yeah. felt high yourself being around him. Oh, absolutely. I know so, what you mean.
2: Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, again, I think it's, it's all about responsibility. I think, you know, what you were saying in your book was something uh, that I was so happy to see somebody address, which is like, you know, these mantras are great, but not if they're a distraction. Yeah. You know, and right. like, you know, and just kind of all the pitfalls that you can get into and kind of tricking yourself that you're actually doing something right and you're really only hurting or protracting this you know this this pain or whatever it is that you're dealing with yeah um i thought it was really interesting uh i don't know if you caught it there was a study done about like what the root of most addictions actually is and it's basically just like people
1: are bored yes i've I've, read yeah i'm like
2: yeah duh you know or just kind of that um, you know, and this is kind of a, I think Louis CK has a joke about, uh, his kids not watching television and he's like, Oh, you're surprised when like, they aren't interested by like, Oh my God, there's this Hawk and it's got a rat in its claws and it just yeah. ate a snake. And like, and all you want to do is watch TV because it's just like colors screaming at you, you yeah. know, and all this stuff and how like everything is just kind of bland right? because you're, you know, you just kind of overstimulated yourself by all this other stuff right. um yeah anyway yeah.
1: well so <laughs> thank you and and yeah. let's let's talk a bit about because because you you were chatting about parenting and that is the most yeah. psychedelic experience sure you, you're like i said uh earlier you're a you're a new father at so, relatively new father yeah six months six months so okay, i would love to hear about 6 months of learning to be a dad how that's affected your life whatever you'd like to share it. Uh, yeah, that. I
2: mean, it's uh you know, early on I think my biggest uh feelings were um a really deeper, you know, a much deeper connection to my family. Yeah. Um and I mean, I have great relationships with everybody in my family luckily. Yeah. Uh and but it really kind of deepened it and just kind of brought it all closer and it also brought Uh, The people that I consider my family who aren't blood, you know, the people I call my brother, blah, blah, blah. It's watching them really, you know, certain people more than others, too, especially the ones who have kids already, really like becoming that village. Yeah. You know, and feeling like people are, you know, granted, they only want to come and see her, but they're (laughs) like, you know, they do come. And they and and, you know, just it was just a great time to feel that village vibe. I mean, we had people just like dropping food off on our doorstep, not wow. knocking, you know, just sending a text a couple minutes. Later, like, Hey, just left you something. Wow. It's just like, man, this is, this is great. You know? And, and, and just kind of seeing different friends, you know, guys in my band holding my baby. It was like, you know, cause it's kind of the band's first baby too. So yeah. in a way it's kind of like, this is all yours as well. Like I may be the, you know, the biology here. I may be the DNA, but like we, you're all uncles here. You are all, you know, kind of responsible for this with me yeah. in a sense. So I felt that, you know, powerful family connection. I felt, uh, you know, I look at her and I'm like, Oh my God, she's got my eye color, but she's got my wife's eye shape. And, but maybe my eye color is actually like my grandmother's, but maybe her eye color is actually like my great, great, great grandmother's. Right. So kind of thinking about that, you know, and I'd never know. I mean, there's a certain distance back that I'll never have a photo. Right. Um, But just thinking about that and being like, wow, you are the the cumulative effort of generations of DNA blending and splicing. And, um, you know, so that's kind of the trippiest part of it. And kind of watching her grow up and see which traits, like, is she going to have my nose or your mouth? Or, um, so all that has been a big, you know, head spin. Uh, The other thing is uh, the connection to sort of society and humanity and like, just biology in general and kind of being that you know back and forth between that i feel so unique and significant because i can look and see my genetics right in front of me yeah at the same time i feel completely insignificant because now i just feel like some cell that's just divided yeah i'm sure i could telescope myself out far enough where it just (laughs) looks like a petri dish of nothing and to kind of be like man you know to get over this um I don't, in some way it's kind of humbled my humanness. Yeah. You know, I realized like, I'm not just this like supreme, amazing being. Like I'm also just like a kind of biological, I don't want to say mistake, but like byproduct, you know, of of years and years of, you know, random interactions and, and, uh, you know, combustions and it's a, it's a
1: great, amazing, mind blowing thing. Yes.
2: Uh, you know, and, and I guess, again, to reduce it all back down, I look at my parents and I have so much more respect for them uh, and other parents in general. But at the same time, the humorous, you know, the, the comedian in me looks at it all and, is all and I can't help but saying, anybody who was like the first child, unless you had like maybe three kids, yeah. I don't think your parents had any idea. You know, and it's kids. I mean, siblings like I don't think your parents had any idea what they were doing. I don't think anybody's parents <laughs> had any idea what they were doing. Um, at least not for a little while. And I think that that's kind of the beauty of it. You know, I look at my mom and I, I see her try to interact with my, my daughter in some ways. And it's just kind of like oblivious again, because it's been 35 years since she had to do any of it. Yeah. Um, and just kind of like, I can only imagine if I haven't picked up something for 35 years, like, I don't know what I would do with that, you know? Yeah. So I think that's kind of funny and humbling and, and, uh, kind of homogenizing in a way. Yeah. It's like, Okay you know, we're not perfect and that's cool. I'm it's not so here to be cool. perfect. You know? Right.
1: Right. Well, I love that, man. And it makes me think quite a bit about the Zen teacher, Thich Nhat Hanh. Yeah. And he talks quite a bit about seeing your parents in your own hands and, or even going back further, your yeah. great grandparents, like, like you said, it's, it's yeah, just you were talking cha-
2: about the, um, looking at that chair and then kind of, re- you know, uh, reducing it was a Tonkin practice. Is that what it was? Or, um, uh, I don't know if that's what it was. Um,
1: it, it, well there's an interbeing um or uh, but just
2: kind of the idea of meditating on an object and being like that table yes. that was once a tree and before it was a oh, tree right. and that was and kind of looking at my kid in the same way and yeah, being like wow yeah. like you know reducing her down to like cells and all this stuff but also like who are you, you know right. what are you is um, that great yeah it's cool uh and then also watching it um get into the uh i, I don't know if you're familiar with Rupert Sheldrake
1: I know the name. Why am I drawing a blank on? He's uh, that name?
2: kind of like he. Him and Grand, Graham Hancock are the only two guys that have had their TED talks pulled.
1: Okay. Well, that's I'll, which, I'll have to look which that to up. <laughs> me
2: makes it like okay. Well, then they're the two best TED talks up there.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
2: So, Rupert Sheldrake's attitude or or idea is that um, it's uh, morphic resonance. And it's basically that, like, the more people do something in society, the more that it'll play out. Kind of like the idea of two different people working on the Manhattan Project.
1: Sure, yeah. You
2: know, kind of like, but before that, it never existed. And somehow, in the ether, that information is being dispersed. Right. Uh, And kind of the idea of, you know, a spider doesn't necessarily have the program to make a web. It Mm -hmm. kind of downloads it as it goes. Right. And you know, that's kind of like saying that you drop a pile of bricks off at a construction site, they don't know how to build themselves. Yeah. It needs something to act on it, you know, in a in a sense. So right. I'm not I'm not sure if I hundred percent believe it. It's not necessarily proven, but I find it very fascinating and there's a you know, a it smells right to me. Yeah. You know, it's just yeah. got that like the, yeah, that just sound that makes sense in some, you know, yeah. or at least that's not any crazier than you know, any of this other stuff that I'm supposed to believe about quantum physics, you know, you know, so, um, but the idea of like looking at my kid and being like, okay, there's this nature and then this nurture and kind of wondering about that, like third dimension of it, like, are there just going to be things that she just absorbs out of the ether and just watching that and kind of, in a sense, watching myself go into the future, Yeah. you know, Mm -hmm. I don't know, it's it's
1: Oh, that's you, way you cool. know
2: I mean most people I, I, I'm not most people any parent who's listening to this kind of I'm sure has had something akin to that feeling yes you know yeah yeah just like this is you know watching it go I don't know
1: <laughs> yeah and the funny thing my brother is a well he he has his first-born daughter who's just turned two so still okay. relatively new yeah, but yeah. he said very similar things to that and this is a person who he doesn't I mean he has. Slight interest in spirituality and physics, but he's not hardcore into it, but he has almost verbatim just explained the experience just as you did, you know, because I
2: think I I think that it's it's that it's an experience. Yeah. And to put it into like a spiritual box or a physics box, it's like, no, it's it's so universal. Yeah. And yes, it does kind of overlap in all those things like a Venn diagram, but it's not. I think it's just something that anybody can feel unless you're deliberately numbing yourself. Yeah. You know, or just kind of in a in a bad place anyway, and you're not feeling much of anything.
1: Yeah. But yeah.
2: I think that any you know um, happy parent kind of just gets that sensibility, or at least you know relapses into it when they're drunk enough or something. Right? You know, I don't. I don't yeah. know. Um, <laughs> uh, so um, there was something else I was going to say. Uh, I think you. I don't know if it was um, Tick Han or not, but it was. Uh, or just a, a typical Buddhist quote about, uh, if we understood anything, we would laugh at a laugh at a death and cry at a birth. Oh. And we were talking yeah. about what is spirituality. I, I meant to interject that into the idea of being comfortable with life and death. Yeah. And That's there was great. something about that, too, that I meant to say way back then.
1: Yeah. So. Well, it's better late than never.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So. We have you, you can edit that in, right? Uh, I mean, yes, <laughs> yes, I I yeah. definitely don't have a busy schedule. Studio for. magic, yeah. right, right. So, one thing I definitely need to cover before I mean we still have time, so we'll get sure. into a few things hopefully. But as we mentioned, Dillinger Escape Plan Um got to bring that up Be, more just selfishly than anything. Yeah, sure. I've been a huge fan. I mean, to the point where in my first book, *Indie Spiritualist*, I named a chapter "Calculating Infinity." That record. It's one of those albums for me, man. Like, I'm listening yeah. to Converge, Cave, me and all too. great bands, but then that comes out and I was like, yeah. whoa, what the fuck is this? Like, wait yeah, a minute. Yeah, sure. uh, I mean,
2: To me, too. It was, you know, I, I'm not the original dude. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so I remember going to see them and just being like, you know, that shot heard round the world kind yeah. of thing. Like, what the... Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I mean... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Needless to say, yeah, I... I so I, you get it. I'm holding on to the reins, too. I mean, we're... <laughs> we're a unique band in that uh, pretty much everybody except Ben has been a fan of the band or at least has been in the audience of the band at least once. So we have a, we all have our own personal ideas of what the band means and represents. And I think we're all trying to, um, you know, toe that line to some degree. Um, You know, I think Ben did get to watch us once because he, broke his wrist and couldn't play
1: oh okay but
2: you know and otherwise it's kind of you know um it's it's interesting being able to join a band and have that fan perspective yes you know and and be able to kind of like i said hold it to that value as best we possibly can right um because yeah i mean for me too it was like that was the uh you know at the time a real um An intersection of all the things that i really liked yeah you know at the time it was kind of jazzy it was metal it was punk it was hardcore it was um you know it was really snotty and punk yeah and at the same time they all kind of looked like preppy you know (laughs) back at least back then like these short hair like you know banking interns or something i don't know yeah yeah so yeah i I don't know it was a it was a real you know eye-opening thing and then you know of course The the strange uh, twist of fate that, you know, (laughs) put me where I am. I don't know.
1: Well, so let me just tell listeners who I'm sure there are some who aren't familiar with Dillinger. I just want to name a couple of the highlights of what you guys have done just so they have some scale of reference. Uh, Because
2: you you might want to put your children away, you know, this. (laughs) (laughs) No way. Dude,
1: this this is just a couple of 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 highlights that that I had to write them down so I didn't miss a you know some of them. But recently, I mean you guys got to open for Nine Inch Nails in Soundgarden. Incredible. You covered the public enemy song, one of my favorites, Fight the Power, with Chuck D. You had Mike Patton fill in on an EP. And for those who don't like know Mike Patton, yeah. stop listening to my show. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you know, Singer of Faith No More, Mr. Bungle, Phantomus. And, yeah. and then uh was oh. an all around great dude awesome yes, very cool dude, and then even recently I saw you post that picture with um bushwick bill oh geez. and and yeah, you yeah. mentioned that you guys did something with o d b at some yeah, point at, at like, one
2: point we, we when o d b uh i guess it, it's kind of first got out of jail, but also i think the last time he got out of jail uh he did a show at c m j yeah. and we opened it, and it was like the most somebody else. I, I was telling the story, or we were talking about this story, like, in the van kind of thing. And somebody else mentioned who opened that show, who I can't remember. But it's like, it just puts, you know, it, it was like somebody Dillinger ODB. And it may have well have been, like, Sinead O'Connor, yeah. Dillinger Escape Land ODB. Like, just something <laughs> just as equally scattershot. Yeah. Um, like, they picked the names out of the hat kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it was weird. It was terrible. I oh, will really? say, like ODB was was you know rest in peace. But man, right. that was a that was a terrible, embarrassing. <laughs> like, dude was definitely out of it. Definitely, uh, you know, it was yeah, drinking a little too. You know, taking a little bit too much spirituality that day. Uh, so, right, you know, right. apart, I don't know. Just it was just it was it was embarrassing. Actually, it sure, was, I felt oh. really. I don't know.
1: Oh well. So, anyway, okay. but
2: it was a great story, and that
1: is a great story. So okay, if we set that aside, yeah. What for you in all of your years? Wh- what are, how do I even phrase this, man? I because I, I couldn't begin to imagine how to answer it in your shoes. But what what are some of the highlights? And it doesn't have to be specific yeah. highlights. But I mean, uh, for yeah. you, what what yeah. has been a a great thing about Dillinger in your life?
2: Well, um, you know, again talking about that family thing. Yeah. You know, like I got you know four brothers and you know multiple people who aren't in the band anymore who are still in the you know the unit right um you know it feels amazing to have had uh you know and again not necessarily because it's been fun every time and not you know it's like i would take a bullet for these guys as fast as i would put one in them you know it's (laughs) it's it's that duality constantly uh, you know you're in a one-bedroom rolling apartment with 10 dirty dudes who are all pretty alpha and you know, it's not always fun, you know, yeah. and and yes, the bus glamour gets old after a day and yeah. all, you know. I could sour grape this thing for, <laughs> you know, forever. But uh, you know, it's been amazing just kind of having this crazy relationship that you don't usually have with your coworkers or your family. It's yeah. a really unique thing and and to think that I've kind of been, you know, married to Greg and Ben for like the better part of like 13 to 15 years is yeah. pretty wild. Um So, I mean, there's, uh, you know, all that kind of underlying uh, stuff there, the emotional side of it, but in terms of, like, you know, things, I mean, getting in the band, you know, is is crazy, and uh, it's kind of a head trip because I feel like some of my greatest fortune is because of Adam's incredible misfortune. For people who don't know, original bass player Dillinger got in a car accident, is paralyzing the armpits down. Still, you know, when I mention people who are still in the crew, I yeah. mean, he's he's who I'm thinking of primarily, actually. Yeah. And uh, amazing sense of humor in terms of like a, a spiritual guide. I mean, I look at that dude sometimes as like you know, somebody to look up to in terms of how he's handling it. He actually went to Nancy as well, so did think, Ben.
1: Yeah,
2: um, so anyway, uh, you know, putting that stuff aside, I. Granted, playing with Mike Patton, I was 20 when I met that guy. He yeah. was, you know, a huge hero. And for him to be really humble, it was like, hey, what's up, Mr. Patton? And very quickly, it was like, just call me Mike. And, ah, and yeah. you know, learning how to be, you know, not necessarily be a celebrity, but learning how to kind of cope with attention, yeah. you know, and, and, all, and, 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 and compliments and all, all that stuff, just how to navigate that. I mean, in, in a few short days, he taught me a lot. Yeah. Um, uh, all the traveling. I mean, yeah. all the bands I've seen, all the people we've played with, all the people I've met, you know, having bands like Metallica, you know, dude. having, having like Rob in my cell phone or, <laughs> you know, seeing Kurt talk about, um, you know, Farewell Mona Lisa. It's like, yeah. you know, or, or Lars say that we were, you know, one of the bands that he thinks is carrying the torch when they got into the Hall of Fame. It was like, you know, what, you know, this is not yeah. my beautiful life. This is, you know, right. how did I get here kind right. of thing. Um, and for you know, those who don't
1: mean, know, Kirk, you mentioned, Kirk he just, yeah, yeah, he said, Metallica. of Metallica sent a tweet out recently. Yeah. You know, just shouting you guys out in your song. Like, yeah. Anyways, I didn't mean to cut you off, but just yeah, so now, listeners knew. Give some context. Huge. Huh? Yeah. Yeah,
2: that's, I mean, it might, the, the 12-year-old self in me is, like, losing it. It's, yeah. it's really cool. Yeah. And those are the things, Um, you know, you talk about things that make a difference. It's like, I think about all the shows, but you know, I can't not be human in it. You know, that yeah. I, I met my wife on warp tour. That's cool. you know, I didn't want to go on warp tour that year. I was like thirty, like, what the hell am I going on warp tour <laughs> for? Um, but you know, those random things, you're like, God, this would have never you know, what a weird, strange trip. Um yeah. the uh you know, having my mom and you know, come to Conan when we played Conan. Yeah. Having my dad and you know, my siblings in the crowd and uh, you know, and then my grandmother staying up like, in her, you know, whatever home she was living in at the time, like, to watch me on Conan, like, wow. and these are people who've kind of given me mixed reactions for what I'm doing, you know, sure. I, I uh, I dropped out of school to do Dillinger, yep. um, my mom was not necessarily happy about yeah, that, you right. know, and it took years of tough love to, like, build that relationship back up, so seeing my mom kind of tear up before we went out and did that, it was like, I'm not saying that Conan like to me wasn't even that, you know, I don't even I don't watch Conan like and I'm not saying that it sucks. It's just yeah. I, it's just not me. Yeah. Um and but seeing everybody else's reaction to that. Yeah. Um I you know, filmed it in New York, came home that day uh, or came home that night. Like we were done filming by like 6 or 7. Yeah. So I was able to get back to Philly from New York and go to a, a bar where all my friends were hanging out. And they turned it on when it was on and they staged, you know, or I'm sorry, like crowd surfed me (laughs) through this bar. And like, I mean, those are the things that like, it sounds stupid. Like I could talk about different shows. Like I remember Fuji rock. We played Pantera's last show in Japan. I remember this and like, yeah, but like it's those other more like personal moments. Yeah. You know, it's so corny, but like, you know, feeling that love was was really important. Um, Yeah. So yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I could. I wish I was more in the mood to give you like you know <laughs> rock star stories or something. But it's like
1: no, that's what you gave me is actually perfect, man. That's more yeah. what I was because that that's what it is. It's more about the family, the emotion, the connection. The, yeah, you know, because I mean, beautiful. really, because
2: that's what you're putting into the music too, right, right? You know what I mean? It's a feedback loop. If you're just practicing in your basement all day, your music is going to be bland. Yeah. I guarantee it. Like I'm not the kind of person who. Thinks you should practice for eight hours a day and not go out and like make a mistake or like i don't know like go do something stupid yes and right. then come home and write a song about it or like you know and or just write a song in that mood yeah you know i don't know just like play with your life hack yourself a little bit yeah because i
1: absolutely. think it's kind
2: of the artist's role to go somewhere uncomfortable or go somewhere that most people wouldn't go or don't have time to go like again like as a dad, most of my fans who are dads probably don't have time to do a bunch of drugs and go you know, yeah, so they would rather just listen to music that reminds them of the time where they could enjoy that or something right. you know right i don't and not necessarily that, but whatever it might be sure. I sure you know it's almost like a fantasy and and there's this vicariousness um to it you know i i like you know I like trying to imagine that we're all one, yeah you know and that anything i'm doing up there in some weird way you know i'm just playing out you too and and hopefully when i get really you know free when i'm not thinking about it and i'm just kind of a witness to myself on stage
1: right right
2: then it's like i'm really no different than anybody else and in a sense it puts me you know aligns me with them yeah um
1: yeah i don't know well that's a that's a perfect segue i mean the last thing i'll we talk about um that I wanted to cover with you is music and spirituality. Sure. Yeah, and that's yeah. a perfect start right there okay. to it. And I mean, you're a magnificent bass player and, and I, I've seen the videos and oh, you can tell. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's the least I could say. <laughs> that's right. Um smoked in mirrors, lots of attitude. Yeah, well, you're preaching to the choir about that. Yeah. Uh but no, I I I see like how much how passionate you are about it. So to close us out, if you could talk a bit about music in your life and how it relates spiritually and, and your experience with that?
2: Uh, well, um, ah, man, there's so many, so many ways we could start. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think, I don't know, man. I, I, it's just so, I mean, music is just such a, it's, I mean, it's permeated into everything. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm trying to think of things in my life that don't have some musical connection, like, you know, church, yeah, there was singing, or, you know, what, I don't know, I mean, it could, it could go on forever, but I think, one, it's just kind of, um, you know, for me, it's about dedicating myself to one thing, it's kind of like, that's my um, my vow of chastity, or something, Is like, yeah. you know, it's just me in this base, you know, at the end of the day, and yes, I love my wife, I love my daughter, but, you know, this is something I, I kind of chose for myself and and wasn't you know so i have like a different relationship with this thing um in a sense that's my guru because it's it's you know i think second only you know or it's hard to really put into place which one teaches me more my wife or my base but sure both of them reflect me back to me pretty clearly yeah you know, and you know, if I can't do something on my base, it's because I'm not trying hard enough or I'm overthinking it or, right. you know, it's an amazing thing to see myself play out myself. Yeah. I, I don't know, you know, and all my, all my hiccups and weirdness and it's like, it, it shows up on the base. It shows up on my yoga mat too. Um, yes. yeah. you know, all my quirks and that, how I work through things. It's anyway. Um, so yeah, I, I you know, I guess the big thing is, you know, getting to that place of, you know, witnessing myself. And I I don't necessarily think you get there without some work. Right. Um, You know, and in yoga, it's like, it's not about the poses. Yes, it's it's just about breathing. I mean, ideally, that's not to say that when you have great yoga practice, you're not going to feel a great yoga practice, you know, probably because you worked really hard on it, even if you're flexible, you worked really hard on it. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying that, you know, like a Kobe Bryant or a Michael Jordan. It's like they had natural talent, but they worked hard on that natural talent. They didn't just let it go and just become who they were. Right. Uh, so I think for me, you know, that that process and practice of music is is my, you know, is another spiritual quest. It's a it's a vision quest of sorts. Yeah. Um, and my kind of uh, you know Joseph Campbell hero quest is kind of just playing out that's my sword yeah um you know so in a sense that you know that's my weapon that's how i'm like killing the death star and you know any other allegorical (laughs) you know myth this is how i'm writing my myth i choose to do it through music um and you know and, and that's kind of my personal take on it but also knowing that uh you know at one time you know when you think about like anything from you know slaves kind of using that you know using drumming to communicate yeah. you know and then kind of having their drums taken away mm. you know any kind of drumming shamanism all all that stuff it's so like there's such a core thing about you know again like an ayahuasca ceremony to me would be hardly anything without the music it's such yeah. a powerful tool to you know kind of take you somewhere else yeah um i mean it's it's a boat unlike any other uh so I think that. Um, you know, and not to mention all the other stuff about overtones. Uh, you know, when you hear an acoustic instrument, when you're like in the room, like say, if you're at a Dead Can Dance show, like you're gonna feel it a lot more than if you listen to a live Dead Can Dance CD on the best stereo. It's right. just like it's not the same. Right. Um, I think that there's a huge value in feeling. You know, those yeah. molecules hit you
1: yeah.
2: in a real way. Um, you know, I, I, I think there's mojo in things. I think there's mojo in instruments and stuff like that, too. I, Greg and I joke around about, like, he has this old Metallica shirt. And it's like, you know, chances are that somebody was wearing this Metallica shirt at, like, an Injustice for All show in, like, 1990, and you found it in some vintage place. And, like, it just has those, you know, that mojo molecule yeah. stuck in the fibers. And, like, that's that means something. So uh, in a similar way, overtones, like, I think most people just, like, squash... All that stuff, and granted, I still put out music on CDs and I, I still listen to you know Spotify at terrible bit rates, yeah, but
1: yeah.
2: Um, it's not that I don't feel that thing with music, too. Um, you know, and very recently, uh, I, I went to a sound meditation um, and it really moved me. It was really like uh, a because I got the instruction with it about kind of how to climb the overtones like a ladder yeah like to to really have some ear training and be able to hear the 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 spread of overtones in a note you know when you hear c you don't just hear c you hear uh, an overtone series in there yeah and 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 especially you know again on psychedelics like i'm sorry but when i'm sober i don't hear it yeah sure and that's i'm not saying that's better or worse you know same with meditation it's like I don't get to the same place on psychedelics. I don't think that there's a replacement. I don't think that like, at least me personally, I've never meditated and gotten to the same place I do on psychedelics. Mm. Um, both are amazing. Both are totally useful spaces, but certain things like hearing music in that way is exponentially easier and feels different when there's a, uh, a a psychoactive substance, whether it's acid, MDMA pot shrooms, you know? Um, So for me, again, feeling, you know, having that connection to psychedelics and listening to tons of music and really getting in there, you know, and and being like, wow, this is like, this is a landscape, you know, um, I I really, that kind of, again, drove my, uh, you know, that was my driving force. Like, I need to make something that makes people have this experience, you know, Mm -hmm. or like, I want to make another record that just sounds amazing in headphones on drugs, yeah. I'm not sure that, and I, and that's not necessarily my only goal. I'm just, <laughs> um, but that that's a byproduct, and I and it's funny because Dillinger, for the most part, is like not necessarily that um, vehicle. Right. It, I mean, not to say it probably doesn't sound amazing. I don't. I, to be honest, I can't really listen to my own stuff sober, let alone high. So, <laughs> um, so I don't. I'm not 100 percent sure. But yeah, I mean, there. I just think that there is this oft overlooked purpose of music yeah um this you know this spiritual thing this this shamanistic thing this meditative thing nowadays people are just like i just want to dance you know or like and that's cool too i mean of course there there is something to it but um i guess in a sense part of it is like trying to fight the good fight to not lose all of that magic
1: yeah well you know yeah
2: I, i do find it interesting as a as an artist trying to make a living playing music I have a very. Um, I, I feel like I'm in a tough position because, in some ways, I think music should be free because I think that maybe then people would start making it for the right reason again. Yeah. You know, or something. Yeah. You take you take that money side of it out, and maybe it would kind of return some of the magic. Maybe it wouldn't. I I don't know. Yeah. Um. But at the same time, being in music, trying to make a living, I don't necessarily want to tell people that, you know, it's not worth something. Yes. Um.
1: Yeah.
2: But. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, again, this is this is a question that we could ref- and I'm kind of stopping myself cuz it's yeah. like, ah, that's just an hour. I
1: know we could do a whole show on yeah. that, right? Well, wow. the good news is there's still a ton of stuff I wanted to talk to you about that we sure. don't have time for, so that just means we have yeah. an excuse to get back together again another time.
2: Yeah. Um, you know, and it, it, there's another there's one book that I, I often recommend. Uh mm. it's called um The World Is Sound. Oh, okay. So yeah. uh it's this guy Joaquin Ernst and uh He was like a New York Times jazz writer, and he wrote this book where it's like the first part of the book is talking about, um, almost like the music of the spheres and the, you know, how we got to where we are in terms of music and like timbre and scales and how they are why these scales are these scales and how the human ear hears things the way it does. Yeah. Um, you know, talking about you know perfect pitch and how like even a field resonates in a tone. Yeah. Like an open field has a sound. It might be inaudible, but, you know, it exists, and it, it it's, it's it's there. Things are breathing. It's making noise. Right. Um, and then it also talks about how guys like John McLaughlin, John Coltrane, Ravi Shankar, mm-hmm. how these guys brought the music of the East West and mm-hmm. how they made it, you know, what it is. So, um, you know, we talked about Shelter, maybe, you know, it yeah. – I I might put like a John Coltrane or a Mahavishnu Orchestra or some of that stuff in there too in like a um it just taught me something else about music having a higher purpose. Yeah. Um Yeah. Now granted I like metal. Yeah. So I've <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of stuck but um <laughs> That's not to say that I don't, like, really get my rocks off on, like a like I said, like a Dead Can Dance or, yeah. you know, a Glenn Gould Bach piece. I mean, yeah. that stuff is downright spiritual, if you ask me. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Now we're just, I, I could keep
1: <laughs> drifting in and out of this. I, I love it, and I appreciate all of it. And, yeah, I mean, I'm very eclectic, too, with music. Punk and hardcore is what I came up on, but I, I love all of it. You know, yeah. it's not to love. So, it's yeah. music. But, so, Liam... Yeah, I I mean, thank you so much sure. for yeah, being yeah. on the show, and I I really will reconnect again somewhere yeah, down the road. I sure. would love to have you back on, and we could just riff the night away. Yeah. So, um, I will have links up for listeners to Dillinger's website and uh, and all that good stuff, so they can check you out there, and uh, and yeah, man, thank you very cool. much.
2: Yeah, thank you. Cool. It's been a pleasure.
1: Yeah.